Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You messed up. And now, you know, God may redeem it and fix it for the body of Christ's sake, but nah, now, now, now that guy's not where he was called to be. Doing what he was gifted by God to be doing because he messed up. Um, there has to be in the heart of a man and woman of God a, a sense of God reverence the Lord. I fear the Lord. I, I, I could mess up. I could ruin the good things that God wanted to do. Or I could fully walk in them and enjoy them. God wants great things for you, but he measures greatness by a different scale than man does. We want to experience success with minimal effort or risk. Think about how much money is spent on the lottery every year, or think about stock market millionaires. But to God, success in this life isn't measured by monetary wealth or physical riches. It's measured in faith. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, if we grow in our trust in God, stepping out when He calls us, we'll know real success. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, for today's edition of a transforming word. You know why they despised it? Because they were enemies. Because there was going to be a battle. There was going to be a fight. And I want to say this to us because there are some people that get ill prepared for the Christian experience, the Christian life. Um, they come to Christ and they were never prepared for the fact that they're going to enter into a spiritual war, spiritual battle. Anybody here that's walking with God, you have experienced spiritual war and battle. And some some of us a lot. Some of us, you know, periodically I was talking to someone just before I came up here and, and, and Satan hits you, you know, right at kind of critical moments and critical times. He's, I mean, he wouldn't be the devil, y'all, if he didn't do that. The devil is the devil. You know, he attacks. He, he comes against. And it's, it's particularly when you really get going for the Lord. And there have been people. They were like, my life was great until I start serving God. And then all this stuff fell out of the water. I've, have, I've heard people say that. And you know why? It's because, I mean, that's what Satan wants. He's like, I'm going I'm to come at you so tough to make, because some people will, will finally conceit and say, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not going to serve right now. I can't take it. It's too much pressure. And you stop serving. You stop going for it. And it's like, why everything stopped? It's so peaceful right now. My kids acting better. Your husband or wife, they just every, everything's better. You drop, you know. I mean, just everything looked like it's, it's, it's going better, but it's only because now you're you're no threat. Now you're doing nothing. Now your life is wasting away. God had sent them into the land and said, "I'm giving you a great land." They got there and saw that we're gonna have to fight, though. But the thing with the spiritual battle, right? For you and I, we fight a spiritual battle, but do we fight for victory? We fight from victory, right? Who's already won the battle? I already won the battle. I mean, we may have to get in there. We may have to pray. We may have to fast. We may have to get on our face, die to ourselves, be in the word, stand up for. We may have to do some things, but we have this confidence that God has already done it. It's already already. It's, it's a fixed fight. You got you may have to go out there and throw gloves, but it's a fixed fight. I've already won this for you. You win in the end because of me. We fight from a place of victory. We know in advance we win. And so, two for them, God said, I'm giving it to you. Yeah, you got to go fight. I mean, imagine, I mean, for some of you guys that maybe grew up fighting, imagine knowing that you could, any fight that you got into, I, I mean, imagine what that would do to you if you knew that any fight you got into, you were going to win. 
I mean, that would be, some of us, that would be a dangerous thing. Some of y'all would be in jail having them fights. You know, like, if you just knew every fight that I, you know, I end up in, I'm going to win. That would have been terrible for me coming up. You know, I'd have been a, that would have been a, a horrible thing. I, I would have had a whole lot more fights. Um, and I say that for this, right? These guys aren't picking their own fights. God picks the fights. So God says, look, I, Bill, I want you to go to that town. But God, those guys over there don't like me, I, but I want you to go. You're going to win. But it's like 30 of them. It's just one of me. Just go. I got this. And so you go, and you're going to win. It's going to be a victory. It's going to be scary, maybe. But if you just go, you'll find out how I'm going to do it when you get there. And so some of us, God has us battling. Right? We're battling. We're warring. And, and you know, we're going through stuff, and we're fighting battles, and we're warring. And, and sometimes we just need to be reminded that, you know what? It's, it's, it is going to be a fight and a battle, and, but it's not... It's not we're not going to lose. The only way to lose the spiritual war is to is to quit. Right. These guys lost because they didn't show up for the fight. They weren't willing to fight. That's how you lose. And the spiritual battle is quitting. You have to forfeit. If Satan can punk you, scare you, fear you into a forfeit, that's how you lose. But if you move forward in faith and obedience, you'll find that God is more than able in every situation all the time. So maybe someone here is in a spiritual battle and maybe you contemplated quitting. Maybe you're thinking about turning tail. I hope all this encourages you to go ahead and face up and finish the battle. Let, let the Lord fight the battle, but don't quit. You quit, you lose, you forfeit. You got to fight the battle to win. You got to go ahead and go forward to win. So moving forward, um, God said they had despised the land. That's what they won't go into it. Verse 32 says, but as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And like I told you earlier, in verse two of the same chapter, in the very end of the verse, it said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness. That's what they said. And now God says here to them, you know what? But as for you, your carcass is going to fall in the wilderness. So just like God told him a little earlier, you know what? Exactly what you said, you're going to get it. I'm going to give you, you're going to die in the wilderness like you said. So what do we take from this? I read this and I'm careful with my mouth, right? We don't want to be just speaking flippantly or emotionally before the Lord. They, they did that. They were saying, God, we just die in the wilderness. I know they didn't probably mean it, but now they're going to, they, 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 it's, it, it's a reality for them now. And God was offended by it. And God said, you know what? I'm going to give you what you asked for. That's what you're going to get. You're going to die in the wilderness. And so I read that and, you know, I'm just, I think we should be a little cautious how we come before the Lord. And, you know, me being your, viewing your emotions, bring it down a notch. But don't be, God, I wish I would just be by myself. And, some, you know, then you be by yourself and you're like, I don't be by myself. You know, whatever it is, just, just God, I want what you want for me. I want everything you have for me. That's the heart that we want to attain. God, I want everything you have for me. I want it. And every season, every season of our lives is different. And so some of you are single in the single season of life, the things that God has for you in your singleness. Go get that. Right. Be about that right now. For some of us, it's rearing kids season or it's marriage and kids or it's other. We, we, we're all in different seasons. But whatever God has for us right now, God, whatever my hands are to be full with right now, God, let me let me be about that. Let me be fully engaged in everything that you have for me right now. Verse 33. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years. And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. And so God basically tells them all your kids, the 19 and unders, 
They're going to live. They're going to outlive you. They're going to live until you guys die off. So once all you die off and you're, I mean, it's kind of rough language. Your carcasses die in the wilderness. Then I'll take your kids on in. But y'all carcasses are going to be out here in this. You're going to die in this wilderness. Verse 34, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days for each day, you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years. And you shall know. You should know my rejection. So if you look back at verse 23, God told them they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Right. They rejected God. And so now God says here, now you're going to know my rejection, too. And once again, they're reaping what they've sown. God said, you rejected me and rejected me and rejected me. And now now I've had it. I've rejected you, too. And these are harsh things, right? This is a part of God that people don't really want to acknowledge exists. Does, does God, is there a point in God where he says, you know what? That's it. That's enough. Is there a point? Because it looks like right here, there was a point. There was a point where God said, you know what? Uh, you guys, you win. You get it. You don't want me? I don't want you now either. You rejected me? Now I'm rejecting you. In a little while, they're going to say, okay, 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 uncle, we'll go. And God said, no, it's too late. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, it's done. You're going to die here. Like I said, if you go, I won't go with you. And so is there a point? And I believe we need to contemplate those kind of things, because sometimes the reason people live so flippantly is there's no fear of the Lord. There's no there's no fear. There's a a mindset, an attitude that I'll just do whatever I want and then God will forgive it and he'll make it good. And, you know, we'll get we'll get going again. And I'll just I got all my life to screw up. And whenever I get ready, I'll come say, God, I'm sorry. Now, can you just now let's do what you want to do and understand that you could you could mess off enough of your life where it's too late. Maybe you're going to go to heaven. But you, you, the things that God intended to do for you and with you and through, you can mess that off. And I think we have to know that I, I need to walk in a fear of God that recognizes, God, you have a plan for my life, but I could, I could mess it up. I could mess it up. Sometimes, again, I, I hear people, they'll go out and do crazy stuff, sin, jack up their life. And it's like, well, you know, I think it's all part of God's plan. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let me fix up that kind of reasoning because that's what people like to do. I'm going to go sin. I made eight babies out of wedlock. And then I'll, you know what? I just, I think that was all part of God's plan, you know, just for me, you know, no, no, that was, that was what you did in sin. And God may be gracious and redeem some of that, but you can't say that was God's plan because it doesn't coincide with God's word. So it couldn't be God's plan. So, but that's what people do. They do what they want to do and they come back. Okay. Now, now Lord, just let's go now. All right. Whew. You know, I'm ready. And, I just think that we have to come to a place where we fear the Lord and say, God, I, I fear missing out on what you want to do in this life. I fear that. I, and I believe it's possible. I believe I can mess up. I've seen men mess up. Great men. I mean, when I say great men, I mean, men that, are, that, have, that have, have exceeded me by eons. I mean, in terms of what they were responsible for and what they were doing and how greatly they have been used of God. I've watched men like that lose everything just i can't look at that and think that was god's plan that that you messed up and now you know god may redeem it and fix it for the body of christ's sake but no now 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 that guy's not where he was called to be doing what he was gifted by god to be doing because he messed up um there has to be in the heart of a man and woman of god a a sense of god reverence the lord i fear the lord I, i i could mess up i could ruin the good things that God wanted to do. Or 
I could fully walk in them and enjoy them. That's what he really wants. Right. Um, the fear of God is healthy. Right. It's not a fright or a terror. It's a fear of God, a right reverence for his holiness, his power, who he is. Having that intact, I can enjoy over here all the goodness, all the good things he wants to do. He's a wonderful father. He's a good God. And the things he wants to do are good for us. And so it's a healthy place to be. And they didn't fear the Lord. They rejected him. Now God's saying, you know what? Now you're going to know my rejection. And it's not something they're going to be able to turn away from. We talked about last week as Moses interceded for them. Remember that? Moses prayed for them. God was God told Moses, you know, what, man, forget them. They messed up so bad. I'm going to wipe them all out and I'm going to get a whole new group of people for you. Better, better group of people. And it was kind of like a test for Moses. Moses, no, 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 Lord. But but then but you're going to look bad to the Egyptians because your name is riding on this. And so God said, "Okay, I I, I hear your prayer. And that was intercession at its best. God knew he would intercede. God wanted him to intercede. He interceded. God's okay. You know what? Then the, the majority of the people. It's, it's, it's judgment and mercy. God could have wiped them out on the spot. Now they're going to get to live out the rest of their existence in the wilderness instead of just dying on the spot. But not so for the spies that went in. And we'll, we'll look at that next. So look at verse 35. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I surely will do all this evil. I'm sorry. I'm surely will do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. Notice that again, it's personal. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report to the land, those very men who brought the bad or the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. So the congregation, the large group of people, they're going to get to live until they die. Those 20 and older, they're going to die in the wilderness within 40 years. But the other group, right, the 10 spies that went out, Joshua and Caleb are the other two that made 12. But the 10 spies that came back and scared the mess out of everybody so they wouldn't go. God said, no, they're going to die on the spot by the plague, the hand of God against them, a plague right on the spot. Everybody's going to watch. They're going to die right here, right now. How come they didn't get a pass? How come they don't get to wait and die 40 years later? And I believe that it's because they were leaders and they stumbled all the people. I believe that they were leaders. God, they were God is appointed. Remember when God selected them, give me a leader from each one of the tribes. And so we got 12 and we're going to send them out to spy out the land. So there's a representative for each of the 12 tribes, a leader among you guys. They're going to be the ones that go out. And as these leaders come back, they should have been the ones leading the way spiritually saying, you know what? It's a great land. God's word is true. So faithful. Let's rally the troops. Get ready to go. But 10 of these guys came back and they scared the mess out of everybody. So they wouldn't go. God says, you guys are going to die right here by the plague. And I do believe that there's a responsibility, obviously, in leadership in spiritual leadership. Everybody here is in leadership. Everybody here. You like, I'm not the pastor of the church. I'm not. OK, you got some kids. You're in leadership. You're a husband. You're in leadership. Anybody look up to you. You're in leadership. Somebody, your neighbors know you're a Christian. You're a leader. Um, but, but here again, they were appointed by God to do a certain thing. Guys, I've appointed you guys to go and to, to do a great thing for me. And not only did you misrepresent me, you, you, you scared people to where they wouldn't obey. 
And so God says, you're, you're going to die right here. And there's a, there's a verse, if you write notes, write down Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. I'll read it to you real quick. Matthew's gospel, chapter 18. Uh, it says this, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the ocean. And so you read that, God said, look, did you stumble one of these little ones that believe me? It'd be better for you if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were, it'd be better if you were dead. It'd be better if you died than if you did that. And so, again, I look here and I think they messed up. They led, they misled people. They led people out of the promises of God. So what do we take away from that? What do we learn from that? I think that we need to be careful about projecting our fears on the other people. Everybody here has fears, rightly so. Um, but we need to be careful as leaders in particular that we don't project our fears onto people looking to us for God's word. Um, there have been times where me and my wife have decisions to make. And, you know, we'll go on our let's pray hiatus. We're going to take some time to pray about it. And I'll have natural fears. Uh, now I can say it now, but because uh, it's passed. When my daughter was doing a she was in a, 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 a discipleship program in Murrieta and they were going to have a trip to Mexico. And this is what happened in the natural. This is what happened in my mind. My daughter's young. She's only like 15, 16 at the time. Um, the whole group of people that's going is mostly white and a couple of Hispanics. And I'm like, she's the only little chocolate child, you know, so she really stick out. I'm hearing about how they snatching up people in Mexico. They snatching these young girls and putting them into sex slavery. And I, I know about all these nasty, dirty things that people are doing. And I'm like, she would stick out. She'd probably be a gym. Anytime you got a group of all the same, anything that sticks out is unique. And I was like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't mind my daughter, my little unique chocolate thing, you know. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm thinking these things. And so I pray about, I dare tell my wife this. I never, she never heard it till right now, you know. I never said a word that to her, but I take all that to the Lord. And then God was like, let, let her go. I got her. I'm in Mexico too. I'm everywhere. You know, that's what I get from the Lord. I'm, I'm everywhere. I got this. And so, okay, she went and she made it back and nobody bothered her and she had a great time and God showed her things. And, but I, that's, those are the, those are my natural thoughts. Now, I can't imagine if I had said all that to my wife and then said, but I think we should let her go now. <laughs> I just, I would have stumbled. I think I would have stumbled. I don't know, man. I mean, we've been fighting, you know, they're, 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 my point is when you're struggling and battling with your own fears, you need to do it privately with the Lord. And let the Lord sort it out. And before you speak up on something, you want to make sure by the time you're opening your mouth speaking that it's from God. You know, I, I took all my fears, and all my anxieties and all my un, I took all that to God. And when I got back, this is what I have. That's what the Lord said to do. That's how we are supposed to lead. So even in leading your children, there may be things that they ask and they bring up and, and your knee jerk response may be one where you're like, wait a minute, that's crazy. That's, I'm, you may be afraid and you need to. All right, let's pray. That's that's the that's the perfect. Not it's not an out and it's not a cop out. It's a let's let's all get on the right page. Let, let me pray about that. Let me spend some time with the Lord and praying, and then go actually pray and let the Lord sort it out. So these people took their fears and projected them onto people, and it took and nobody wanted to do what God wanted. And God said, for that, you guys are going to die right here um, of the plague, and it's going to be an example because. What is that going to do to everybody that watches them die, right? 
if you're part of the, the group there and you watch them die, they get a plague. And I don't know what the plague was, but it was something it was something pretty horrific. And it, and it happened real quick. Imagine that the 10 people that said don't go and you're looking at them and they die and everybody looked at them die. Maybe they swole up and God, I don't know what it was, but I bet it was something visual. And I bet everybody saw and I bet everybody said, "Ooh." Ooh, I'm not going to do that. You know, them, them 19 and under that was watching. I bet they was like, ooh, remember granddaddy died because he's, he's he was all scared. I'm, I'm brave, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to like them guys. You know, it, it, I believe it was a, it, it make an impression on them that that's not the way to go. And God left an example for those people there right then. These things are written for you and me as an example to us. That we wouldn't miss God, that we wouldn't reject God, that we wouldn't despise the, the plans that God has for us, but that we would be those that are entering into everything he has, fighting battles, warring in the spirit, but winning in the name of Jesus, everything that he has for us. Now look at verse 36. Now the men who Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those, mer- those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. That would have also been an important piece that those 10 spies died. Those two didn't that God was also distinguishing those that stood upright before him. Um, They were made to stand uh, when everybody else was made to fall. Verse 39. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, here we are. We will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. Now, this part is so sad. Right. I believe that they these people died. I believe they saw that and was like, oh, no, God killing folk. You know, this is serious. We they, they came that day and said, Moses, we're ready to go. We're, 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 we're we saddled up the Moses. We're, we, we're going. And I believe that the fear of God, they saw these people die of the plague and they said, OK, OK, not nah, we're going to go. And this is so sad because it's too late. Right. They missed. That's why we call this missing out. They missed out. It's actually too late. There is a point at which you can't go get what God was going to do. It's too late. You, you, you walked in unbelief too long. You walked in rebellion too long. You went the wrong way too long. Now it's too late. And nobody really has a measurement to say how, how far is too far? How long is too long in the wrong direction? We don't know. So just don't be in the wrong direction. Amen? Because they, I'm sure if they had known before that this was the outcome, they would have done things differently. But it's a little too late. They don't they didn't get to know that. And so they come back and say, you know what? And they're confessing. They said, we've sinned. We're going to go now. We're, you know what? We're going. Verse 41. Moses said to them, now, why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Now, when God told them go, they wouldn't go. Now, when God tells them they can't go, they're like, no, we're going to go now. Now we'll go. And Moses said, y'all, now you're transgressing the God's command again. He said, this is not going to be good. It's not going to go good for you. And, you know, and again, I just see here are people that are too, it's too late, but they want, they, they want it to work out, but it's just too late. It can't go back and get it now. And um, it's a sad thing. It's a, it's a really sad thing. Verse 42, Moses speaking says, do not go up 
lest you be defeated by your enemies. Note this, for the Lord is not among you. So don't go up now. Right before when God told you to go, it's because he was going to go with you. He was going to go before you. But Moses tells him now, don't go up now because the Lord is not with you. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.